The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. Just like every week, you can submit your questions to us in a multitude of ways. You can email us, BuffaloRumlings at SBNation.com. You can send us some tweets at Rumlings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Call or text our voicemail line, 716 508 0405 uh, Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will get to me as well um, we're in the depths of the offseason this is the time I really need your questions so it would really help me out if you had anything that you wanted to know was on your mind about the Buffalo Bills send those questions in to me on any of those platforms and we'll get them on the air uh, the Bills uh, have started OTAs with a large chunk of players not in attendance. Uh, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Sean McDermott all asked about uh, the COVID-19 vaccine last week. Uh, we'll get to some of that later in the episode today. Uh, so there's just lots of stuff going on, even though it's a relatively quiet time in uh, Buffalo Bills land. We've got Julio Jones uh, on the horizon. Like, who, who's going to trade for that guy? Um, there's obviously other stuff going on around the NFL as well. So get your questions in for next week's episode. We are really looking forward to that. Elsewhere on the podcast network, we've had some great interviews over the last couple weeks. Um, Bills running back Antonio Williams uh, and uh, Marcel Louis Jacques, ESPN's Buffalo Bills reporter uh we're all on with uh with jay spence the king over the last week uh, just subscribe to our youtube channel you can see all that stuff when it's coming up uh, we've had just some great guests coming up on the uh overreaction sports pod on the youtube channel as well and uh so even though bruce nolan took a break this week from the blue Bruce exclusive. Uh, we've had lots of content um, even over the holiday weekend. So um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast network and the YouTube channel. All right, well, let's get into our questions. Uh, first up, we, let's start with Julio Jones. Uh, at Jaden asks us on Twitter, uh, are we going to try to get Julio Jones? Uh, pretty uh, basic, straightforward question. I don't know if try versus try hard, you know, do versus um, try, you know, Yoda and all that stuff. But uh, I think the Bills are going to give the Falcons a call about Julio Jones. But the the financial implications of that seem really steep to me. And I know last night on 
with Jace Spence the King, Marcel Louis Jacques said that, you know, it would be worth it to go all in on one season or two seasons because winning the Super Bowl will, you know, kind of cleanse you of all of all of the bad things that might happen from, you know, down the line ramifications. But I don't even know if they'd be able to fit him under their salary cap this year without, you know, some significant changes to their salary cap structure and roster that would hinder them from years to come. And um, Marcel's argument was that it wouldn't really matter because they would have the Lombardi Trophy. And that, of course, could be true. Uh, They could get the Lombardi Trophy, win the Super Bowl, and and all the ills would be forgiven. Or they could come up short again and then just be stuck for the long term. And I don't think that's how Brandon Bean wants to run this franchise. I think he wants a sustainable method of building a team. And so I I find it highly doubtful that the Bills are going to spend whatever it is, $30 million of their salary cap on their top two wide receivers. Um, Cole Beasley counts uh, $7 million this year. Stephon Diggs is $6.5 million. So that's $13 million right there in those two guys. And I'm sure Diggs wants a new contract or at least a conversation about a new contract with uh, some upfront money to he played like one of the top receivers in football last year um, and he's you know he's underpaid he, he there's no way around that he's underpaid even though he has multiple years left on his deal so if Stefan Diggs does want some new money I mean Emmanuel Sanders has four and a half million dollars so now you're going to be paying all four of your top four wide receivers over four and a half million dollars it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me just a straight trade for Jones if the Falcons didn't take on any of his salary just a straight trade would still be 15.3 million dollars for Julio Jones in 2021 Uh, it would go down a little bit in uh, 2022 and beyond but still I mean if you're trying having to create 15 million dollars for Julio Jones you've got 15 million for him you've got another 6 million for Beasley so you're up to over 21 million um, 25 million when you add uh, digs in there and then almost 30 million dollars in just your top four wide receivers uh, it just seems like a lot of money for one position group even though that position group would be really really great so I don't anticipate the bills going after Julio Jones or at least competing for Julio Jones. There's teams out there, um, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, that have the financial ability to do that and the draft capital to do that and the um, desire to get better because of falling short in the past few years or just to keep Aaron Rodgers happy in the case of the Packers. So uh, there's just teams, I think, that make more sense than the Bills. And I don't foresee Brandon Bean trying to play that negotiation tactic from a point of weakness. The Bills don't have the salary cap space. Even if they are able to offer that late first-round pick that they think they're going to get as opposed to a second-round pick that another team might be able to offer, it's still going to be very difficult for them to fit Julio Jones under their salary cap. Um, Obviously, that's going to be the big story until Julio Jones does get moved. So I'm anticipating future questions about it, um, but it's it just seems really unlikely to me because of the financial implications. Now, if the Falcons can take back some of that money, pay it in a roster bonus now, and then trade them to the Bills, so the Bills have, say, a $10 million cap hit as opposed to a $15 million cap hit, well, then now we're talking. But 
with other teams in the bidding war for Jones. I don't know why the Falcons would necessarily want to do that or put that option on the table. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumlinks Q&A. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Over the Memorial Day weekend, I talked with a lot of folks because I wore my Bills hat pretty much everywhere we went. And it's red, white, and blue. It's, you know, it's a nice hat to wear uh, for uh, patriotic events. And a lot of folks were talking to me about the Bills and how the Bills got better this offseason or didn't get better this offseason. And, you know, the roll it back philosophy. Yeah, they got to the AFC Championship game, but did they get any better? So the question I've been getting a lot over the last week is, where have the Bills got better this offseason? So let's take a rundown of the roster. And I think it does start at the quarterback position. They got better at backup quarterback. Mitch Trubisky is better than Matt Barkley. Uh, he gives the Bills a better shot of winning games if something happens to Josh Allen. So I think right off the bat, you have to look at the quarterback position and say, boom, better this year than it was last year. I don't know if the running back position is necessarily better than it was last year. Um, you're counting on Zach Moss and Devin Singletary getting better in their uh second and third seasons and I don't think that's wrong but it'll just be an incrementally um, getting better as those players you know get into the prime of their career at wide receiver um, the Bills would probably argue that they got better with Emmanuel Sanders over John Brown um, they prioritized Sanders over Brown uh, based on the financials of the swap of the two of those and so they would say that you know the best ability is availability and Emmanuel Sanders can provide that where John Brown wasn't able to provide that last year. Um, so I think that they think the wide receiver position might be a little bit better this year. At tight end, I don't know if they got better. I don't know if Jacob Hollister is a significant upgrade over Tyler Croft. Um, and they did lose Lee Smith um, with Tommy Sweeney coming back. So um, maybe that's a wash uh, at tight end. Um, Spencer Brown is certainly younger, cheaper. Um, than Ty Nsecki at swing tackle. But I don't know if we can say they got better at tackle this offseason. Same thing on the interior offensive line. Pretty much everybody is the same as they were last year. Um, unless you want to say that Forrest Lamp is a little bit better than Ike Bucker um, or Ryan Bates or whoever. But I just, I'd be surprised if that's a significant upgrade. Um, on the defensive line, I don't know if you can say that Greg Rousseau is like head and shoulders better than Trent Murphy, at least at the beginning of the season. I mean, Rousseau has had one year in college where he was successful and then didn't play last year. So, um, you know, yeah, they got a little bit more athletic at the position uh, at defensive end. So, I mean, maybe you can say they got better at their defensive line, but that was a projection thing. So maybe say by the end of this season, the Bills will be better at defensive end than they were at the end of last season. But I don't know if they're significantly upgraded Like at this moment. Uh, they still have some growing pains to go through there. And linebacker, I don't think they're any better. Um, you know, Call it a wash at linebacker. At cornerback, um, let's just say it's a wash. Josh Norman wasn't that great, and so Dane Jackson will be able to you know, fill in for that. And so let's just go with that. 
that the cornerback position is about the same. And same thing at safety, where Dean Marlowe is out and Demar Hamlin is in, and it's about a wash. Um, Matt Hawk, Corey Bajorquez, call it a wash. So, you know, are the Bills better than they were in 2020? Yeah, at a couple positions. At backup quarterback, uh, they're more athletic at defensive end with a chance to get really better at defensive end by the end of the rookie seasons for Carlos Basham and Greg Rousseau. And um, and that might be it as far as where they're actually you know, better than they were a year ago, other than just growth from some of those young players. It's why we've been talking about we need the next step from guys like Ed Oliver. We need the next step from some of those young guys who are coming into the prime of their career. And that was the main thing I was talking about with folks over the Memorial Day weekend when we got together, whether it was meeting some new neighbors with my Bill's hat on or uh, just going to you know f- some family uh, picnics. The, the topic of the Bill's actually improving was at the forefront of everyone's mind. And that's the question I was getting a lot this weekend. Last but not least, um, the question I've been getting the most in the comments section at buffalorumblings.com over the last week, we published two articles on COVID-19 in the last week. And there were most comments on, on articles in a long time uh, with lots of people on lots of different sides of the conversation. But the question I keep getting is, well, why do you keep posting COVID articles at all? It's a great question uh, because as far as our page view numbers go, they're not usually our most viewed pages. Um, as far as bang for the buck, it takes us a lot more time moderating the comments on those than is worth it for the amount of page views we actually get for those articles. But I think it's important to cover the conversation surrounding COVID-19. First, it was Sean McDermott coming out and saying he was vaccinated. He thinks all his players should be vaccinated so that they can go back to a more normal existence in the Bills facility. Uh, Then it was Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds both saying the exact same thing, that it was a team decision that they weren't gonna share either their vaccination status or the vaccination status of anybody else on the team. There's obviously stuff going on uh, on in the Twitter sphere as well with Cole Beasley's comments at the beginning of May. Um, Jordan Poyer's wife, Rachel Bush, talking about it. Um, And so we put together an article on that stuff and you know, it kind of turned into a crap fest in the comment section over at buffalorumblings.com, not going to lie. So then the next day, when we posted the updated COVID protocols that fully vaccinated players uh, could you know, use instead of the, the restricted protocols, you know, we got a lot of pushback for having two COVID articles you know, in two days' time. But the whole thing about what Sean McDermott and earlier in the offseason what Brandon Bean said was, we want to be able to get back to normal. We want to have a competitive advantage. And so when those new protocols were announced, I wanted to share what that competitive advantage was. So it was, you know, not being able, not having to wear a mask in the facility, not having to be tracked in the facility, not being quarantined when you're a high risk exposure uh, to somebody else, not having to be tested every day. Sean McDermott talked about that, not having to wake up early to come in and be tested before you can come into the facility. You know, it's going to be a big deal for some of these players. Um, not even just the you know jamming up the nose thing, but like actually driving to the facility early so you can get tested before you come to work. 
being able to use the sauna and steam rooms, being able to eat in the cafeteria with the other uh, vaccinated players. All of those things um, are big deals in Sean McDermott's mind, and so that's why we covered it. Uh, we covered it because it will provide the Bills with either a competitive advantage or disadvantage. And frankly, I couldn't care less if, you know, as a man, as a human, a Bills player is vaccinated or unvaccinated. Um, I get that it's an emergency use authorization right now, and I would never force that upon folks while it's an emergency use. But at the same time, the Bills, the team that I love and the team that I cover, can do a lot more stuff as a team and those individual players as players if they are vaccinated, especially staying on the field in terms of you know being exposed to somebody um, and not having to quarantine. Uh, they can on road trips. They can go out with family members. They can you know just do more things. And so it's disingenuous of me to be like, yeah, I'm not rooting for the Bills to go get vaccinated because it's going to help them you know in the long run and in the short run. So. I get that it's a very um, you know hot button issue, but at the same time, I'm being very practical about it, and um, you know that's why we're covering it. Um, Tommy Sweeney lost an entire season of his NFL career to COVID-related myocarditis. Um, the Bills could have problems with losing a week, losing two weeks, like they did last year when folks were on quarantine. They can problem. They've had problems losing people for a season. Um, thankfully, nothing you know that's long term or too serious. But you know we've seen that in other sports where folks lost you know seasons and usually recovered. But you know I, I'm not necessarily as worried about them with COVID-19 as I am about the Bills losing a player for a week, a month, or the rest of the season. So. Um, hopefully I answered that question here. I know I answered it in the comment section a, a few different times as well, but that's why we cover COVID-19 is because it can impact the Bills um, in this season that's supposed to be you know, another run at the Super Bowl. So I'd love to hear your thoughts over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter or in the comment section at buffalorumblings.com. As always, you can send your questions there as well as you can uh, send us on uh, our voicemail line, 716-508-0405, and you can text that number as well. There's just lots of ways to get in touch with us for future shows. Um, and um, yeah, really looking forward to uh, having those conversations moving forward. Uh, we already have a couple questions in the can for next week's episode, but I felt like these topics were important right now so uh, keep submitting those questions and we will eventually get to them even if we didn't get to them this week go bills